All right, we're back. You mentioned a little bit earlier in the top of the program about an upcoming birthday bash up in Chico, celebrating 21 years of broadcasting on 90.1 FM KZFR, a community radio station not very much different from KDVS. And to talk about that upcoming event and maybe talk a little about the station as well is the general manager, Rick Anderson. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Rick. Hey, we love your show. We're glad you're on the air up here. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Well, we're glad that you re-air the broadcasts that are that uh, that go out on KDVS. It's my pleasure to 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 reach people up in Chico because I mean your station is you and KDVS are very similar, being community-based stations. Absolutely, yeah. We in uh, certainly uh, one way is we rely on listener donations, and we uh, try to reflect the spirit and love of our communities. Sure. And of course, sometimes I would I would hasten to add. Uh, giving an alternative view that isn't necessarily covered as well as it should be in the mainstream press. Boy, that we certainly try to do that every day. Yeah. Well, Rick, let's talk about this birthday bash. I went to the 20th last year. That was a lot of fun. You're now 21 years of age, able to drink, I guess, at this point. Uh, event here coming this Saturday, the 30th, noon to 7 p.m. Uh, in South Chico. Uh, what, what's the deal on this? It's at Riparia Farms. Uh, which is on uh, at the end of Normal Street, as they like to say. It's basically uh, Estes Road and Normal Street down at the end of end of town there. Uh, and it's uh, kind of it's a very beautiful space. It's an open space, and we've got a bunch of great bands that are going to play, and we're going to just celebrate our 21st birthday and um, celebrate our volunteers, too. Part of our birthday celebration has always been uh, to celebrate our volunteers who basically do everything at KZFR and acknowledge them and, you know, have a little party that they can enjoy, too. Well, I'm looking at the uh, poster, in essence, that was set out on this. You can have six live bands grooving all day, it looks like. And notes here that it says Ice Cold Sierra Nevada Brewery Ale, Yummy W.R. Knudsen Juice for the Kids. You get, it looks like you got all kinds of good stuff. And I know that uh, Sierra Nevada, that's a, that's a Chico outfit, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, they love us and we love them. They're one of our uh, biggest benefactors at the radio station. And then back in the day, as everybody likes to say, uh, KZFR ran on garage sales and, and donated cakes of beer from Sierra Nevada. We would, we would <laughs> kind of uh, have a garage sale, advertise that, that a garage sale is going on at, at X location and uh, get a keg of beer and you could come over and sell your stuff and then, you know, we sold beer too by the cup and uh, made a little money and that kept us on the air. <laughs> Well, good deal. It's good they've got that, that community spirit. And, and I know that, uh, well, like KDVS, it really is an, a, a, an entirely community-based operation, pretty much. I mean, volunteers, start to finish. Yeah, I mean, they're the heart and soul of the radio station. We couldn't get anything done um, without them. And this is kind of fun, too. I mean, in radio, to me, I, I, this is the gospel that I preach at KCFR, is that radio is fun, and you, and you're, you were attracted to this, and you like this because it's fun to be on the air and it's it's fun to have a radio show and you know whether you're you know doing a talk show and expressing your views and or you're doing a music show and playing good music that you want to expose and and once again music that generally is away from the mainstream it's all about having fun and and i i think our radio station has has always tried to reflect that on the air and i think that's one of the things that we do really well too is is you know, kind of 
broadcast a feeling of fun, a spirit of fun, but also a, a spirit of community. We're all here together, and we're all, you know, hopefully trying to row in the same direction and get things done. Well, I got a feeling that a lot of the DJs, people that participate in KDVS, would get along splendidly with you up there, and I, I, I would hope that uh, that some people will travel from Davis and the Davis area up to Chico. I know some people are from there anyway, so it's a, it's a good fit, and I hope that we'll uh, see a blending of the two uh, two stations here. That'd be great. You can uh, you can buy tickets at Lion Books uh, in downtown Chico, right next to the post office, and we'll have them for sale. Uh, day of the show, and we'll also have them for sale at the uh, KZFR studios on uh, uh, Thursday and Friday. I'm also looking here at the at the website. I didn't realize this. I, I, I'm surprised I didn't realize this, but as you put on the blurb, there are only 150 non-commercial, non-corporate community radio stations in the United States. I, I didn't realize that. And it seems like it's getting more difficult for, for people to start them, and, and certainly it's in some regard, it's more difficult for for us to survive. Um, it's the bills keep going higher, and uh, you know we basically have to turn to our audience uh, for for support ultimately. And you know, God bless them, they do it, and they've been there every time. And I think the people that listen to community community radio really understand the value of it and how important it is to have an alternative view, to have a place where uh, regular listen, regular people can go and and have access to the media. That's the other thing we try to do as as much as possible is provide a conduit for uh, nonprofits to get the word out about what they're trying to do and the goals that they need to accomplish, too, because we're all trying to do the same stuff, I think, ultimately, and, and ultimately it's good work. I've been driving driving around near uh, near Chico listening to Casey very many occasions and and very impressed. I know people can also uh if they're not able to pick it up off the airwaves, they can stream it uh, live off I guess at k kzfr.org. Yep, that's right. Well, Rick, I have been talking about coming up there sometime and and doing a walk through and getting kind of a talking to different people in in uh, in the station. It hasn't happened yet, but hopefully in the cool weather in the fall, uh we'll do that and have some fun. Oh yeah, and well we we'll, we can announce you and I, because we know this is going to happen October 27th at the Big Room, uh, benefit for KZFR, Will Durst and Michael Parenti. Uh, Will Durst, a regular on our show, and Michael Parenti, we've had him as a guest several times. I, I think those are two excellent choices, and yes, we will promote the hell out of that when the time comes. Yep, it's another benefit for KZFR. Well, Rick, Rick Anderson, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, and keep up the good work, and I, I unfortunately have to work this Saturday. I can't make the trip up, but, uh, but, but I'll be up soon enough. Great. We, we'll miss you. We love you, Doc. All right, Rick. Thanks. And speaking of Will Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here to say that Congress better get its act together and straighten out this debt ceiling thing or this country's going to default, which could lead to the worst possible scenario imaginable. We'll have to move back in with England. And who's going to be happy then? That's right, nobody. Try to imagine the speech we'd have to suffer through should we make it past the front door. Well, 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 look who's back. Couldn't make it on your own, could you, Mr. I'm Ready for Independence? Notice you didn't traipse over to your new best friend, China. What's the matter? Did you have a fight with your BFF? Typical. 
So, I suppose you're going to be wanting your old room back, eh? Well, forget it. Pakistan has been renting that room out for almost three decades. And they cook, too. May stink a bit, but some of those curries are tasty. What is wrong with you? Why couldn't you manage your money like your younger brother Canada? You never see Canada on the front steps with their bags around their feet like a homeless person? Okay, now this is totally against my better judgment, but your mother says you can crash on the couch in the basement, but just for a couple of weeks. And another thing, while you live in this house, you will live by our rules, mister. That means the TV shuts off at 10 p.m., sharp, and only four channels. And no more making fun of the queen, you hear me? And healthcare is free for everybody. Stitches may be a little bigger than your fancy doctors might like, but you'll get used to it. And you're going on a diet. Haven't missed too many meals, have you? One last thing, no more wars. If I hear one more war you've gotten yourself into, you'll be back in the street so fast it'll make your head spin. Do we understand each other? Good. Now leave some room on the couch. Ireland's on its way over. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Thanks, Will. We're talking about some dumb ideas. Let's do number three. Let me quote from Deborah J. Saunders' column from the San Francisco Chronicle. In 2007, Norwegian Justice Minister Newt Sorbergat proposed extending Norway's absolute maximum criminal sentence of 21 years to 30 years for genocide, crimes against humanity, and terrorism. That proposal didn't go anywhere. The maximum criminal sentence in Norway is 21 years. Now, Anders Bering Breivik stands accused of killing, I don't know, she says 76, I think it's more like 96 at this point, individuals, many of them teenagers, in a vicious rampage that began with a bombing in Oslo. If convicted, he can expect to be a free man in his 50s. Noted Saunders, Norway is an idyllic country. Norwegians know what works best for them. It'll be interesting to see whether Norwegians want to keep the 21-year prison term cap after Breivik uses his trial as a megaphone to shout out the anti-multicultural, anti-Muslim, and anti-Marxist messages of his 1,500-page manifesto. Noted Saunders, when a country's justice system dispenses with the death penalty and then life sentences, and has no mechanism to redress evil. So yeah, if you do the math on this, he's going to serve serves 21 years, kills 100 people, serves about, what, 10 weeks for every person he murdered? Seems a little bit lenient to me. And I would note that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. But in a couple of related stories, it's noted that in Mexico, a 14-year-old assassin who murdered four people whose headless bodies were later hung from bridges in Mexico, was sentenced to three years in prison for the four murders. They had to try him in state court because Mexico does not have a justice system to try minors at the federal level. Children, we don't want to be hard on children. You've heard that one, haven't you? Why, in America, we have children on death row. Yeah, well, you know, when I was 16, I was pretty clear on the fact that murdering people was not okay. And from an article by Matthias Gaffney from BayAreaNewsGroup.com, we have an article about serial killers in the Bay Area, which I thought was interesting. Because it's clear that it isn't just Mexico and Norway that sometimes goes pretty easy on murderers. For example, serial killer Philip Hughes, according to the article, he was convicted in the 1980s of three murders and sentenced to three concurrent terms of 21 years to life. 
Mr. Phillips has been eligible for parole since 1986. There's a case of Daryl Kemp. He's awaiting execution on death row in San Quentin right now. But doggone it, turns out that was his second death sentence. The first time he was convicted of two rapes and raping and murdering of a Los Angeles nurse in the 1950s. But doggone, his sentence was commuted in 1972 to life in prison when the California Supreme Court ruled the death penalty was unconstitutional. Oh, then he went out and killed jogger Armida Wiltsey four months after he was paroled. Oops. Now, if someone out there can explain to me how it is that serial killers can get parole, well, I'd, I'd just be curious to hear what your logic is. Serial killers, kind of by definition, are compelled to serially kill more people. This might be a good time to quote from the article by Stephen Harmon, also from the Bay Area News Group, noting that... Uh, the death penalty, which is that polarizing issue that shadowed Governor Jerry Brown's political career earlier, is now threatening to embroil him once more with a bill that will abolish capital punishment making its way to his desk. Now, our governor is anti-death penalty, and I know that some of you are as well, dear listener. Well, the article notes by way of review that in his first term as governor, Jerry Brown vetoed a bill reinstating the death penalty in 1977 only to be overruled by the legislature. California's eventually voted by a two-to-one ratio to reinstate the death penalty. Two years after he left office, Brown was rebuked again when voters recalled Rose Byrd, his state Supreme Court Chief Justice, who notes the article had become a national poster child for problems with California's courts for regularly overturning death sentences. As I recall, Rose Byrd overturned 58 consecutive death sentences on appeal, there was just apparently something was just done wrong in every single one of those 58 cases. When asked what her philosophy was about the death penalty, she refused to answer, saying, that's not important. It's just important that we exercise the law properly. Well, the voters didn't buy it, and they threw her ass out of office. Now, I would add there is a difference between overturning a conviction and letting out serial killers on parole, but um, I have to say, knowing people who've been murdered, I just have a very dim view of those who would throw out convictions properly and legitimately obtained because of someone's personal philosophy. Not a big believer in, uh, you know, executing people willy-nilly, but uh, there are times, there are times when it's clear that someone is guilty and it's clear that someone is going to commit more murders. Think Ted Bundy. Think John Wayne Gacy. Just don't see any reason why these people ought to get decades of three hots and a cot. My personal opinion. All right, let's do bad idea number four. This one's not from the political sphere. It's more from the area of pseudoscience. And I want to note that someone wrote me a letter a few weeks back asking about this, so I think I'll take a moment to clarify the matter. The matter in question being the matter of planet Nibiru. It's being called Planet X, which certain theorists say is a planet swinging in and from the outskirts of our solar system that's going to crash into the Earth and wipe out humanity next year, in 2012. Or, in some opinions, this year. According to David Morrison, planetary astronomer at NASA Ames Research Center and senior scientist at the NASA Astrobiology Institute, a place we're going to have to visit, by the way, for this show, he says there are 2 million websites discussing the impending Nibiru-Earth collision, and he receives on the average five email inquiries about Nibiru every day. Now, in writing about this, Natalie Wolkover on Space.com said that uh, 
Carl Sagan once described a baloney detection kit, which was a set of tools that skeptical thinkers use to investigate any new concept. A few of the key tools in the kit include a healthy distrust of information that isn't independently verified, critically assessing an idea rather than becoming irrationally attached to it simply because it's intriguing, and a preference for simple explanations over wildly speculative ones. So what's the deal about this mass panic about Nibiru, which astronomers point out doesn't appear to exist? Well, apparently in 1995, Nancy Leidner, a self-described contactee, claims she has the ability to receive messages through an implant in her brain from aliens in the Zeta Reticuli star system. By the way, just as a general rule, when you run into people who claim they're receiving messages through implants in their brains, I would say that unless they have a CT scan or X-ray showing the implant in their brain, you should be skeptical. Apparently on her website, Zeta Talk, she stated that she was chosen to warn mankind of an impending planetary collision that could wipe out humanity in May 2003. Then when no such cataclysm occurred, her followers chose 2012 as the new date for the Nibiru collision, which of course coincides neatly with the other doomsday prophecies focusing on the ending of the Mayan calendar. Apparently Leidner originally called the bringer of doom Planet X, later connected it to a planet that was hypothesized to exist by a writer named Zechariah Sitchin. According to Sitchin, the ancient Sumerians wrote about a giant planet called Nibiru, the 12th planet in the solar system, after the outer planets, including Pluto, the sun, and moon, which has an... And this is interesting because the ancient Sumerians they didn't know a whole lot about Pluto, or for that matter, Neptune or Uranus, since you need telescopes to see them. But he says it has an oblong orbit that swings near the Earth every 3,600 years, and that humans evolved on Nibiru, he said, and colonized Earth on a previous flyby. According to the article, historians and language scholars say that Stitchin has grossly mistranslated ancient texts. For example, although the Sumerians did believe in cosmology involving planets, they thought there were five, not twelve. And of course, some killjoy astronomers have pointed out that the planetary orbit like the one that is proposed for Nibiru is pretty much impossible. By the way, our telescopes are pretty good. They can find comets out there a few miles across. So a big old planet (laughs) whipping around the solar system. Well, since no giant rogue planet's been found, some astronomic conspiracy theorists have decided that a small comet called Alenin is actually Nibiru. Scientists have pointed out that this comet will come no closer than 100 times further than the distance from the Earth to the Moon. And predictably, when scientists pointed out that this comet is just a three-mile-wide glob of ice, it's got no magnetic field, it won't even pass close to the Earth, and that, well, it had nothing to do with the earthquake in, in Japan or the earthquake in Chile because, you know, plate tectonics, not comets, cause earthquakes. Well, some countered by saying, well, the path of the comet's going to change. And some websites are suggesting the comet is accompanied by a giant UFO which controls its orbit. Didn't these people all commit suicide in San Diego a few years ago? You remember that? Whether the Heaven's Gate cult, they drank vodka, put plastic bags over their head after, after taking a bunch of sedatives. That was their pathway to get aboard the UFO that was near the comet Hale-Bopp. Anyway, let's go from crackpot uh, astronomy to real astronomy because there's some interesting things taking place.
Now, when it comes to comets and asteroids and such things, there's some fascinating news. In fact, they've long speculated that the Earth may have asteroids which are orbiting in sync with our planet. Other planets do. Jupiter does. Neptune does. Apparently, Mars does. They've always thought Earth might. And it turns out, freshly discovered this week, we do. We'll talk about that in our third segment. You're listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. Stick around. <laughs> 